Hi, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Bloomberg Intelligence Tech Disruptors podcast. And my name is Anurag Rana, and I'm a technology analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, Bloomberg's in-house research arm. We're delighted to have CJ Desai as our guest today, who is the president and chief operating officer of ServiceNow. And now, ServiceNow is one of our most interesting companies that we follow. If we look at software companies generating around $8 billion in sales, it has the fastest organic sales growth, coupled with steady margin expansion. Uh, CJ, welcome to the podcast. And, um, you know, perhaps before we even get to the meat of the podcast, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you, uh, you know, your journey, how you got to ServiceNow, and, you know, what are all the things that you work on currently? Awesome, Anurag. First of all, uh, delighted to be with you. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation, uh, given your background. <laughs> and uh, it's very impressive. So <clears throat> first, I would say is that my software career started at Oracle Corporation when Oracle was also organic growth company. You mentioned organic and growth. So when Oracle was a organic growth company, and I had a variety of roles uh, at Oracle. Then um, I spent a few years in engineering and product roles at Symantec Corporation on the security side. And then I joined EMC, which was also a product and engineering role. And I joined ServiceNow in 2016, December. Uh, I was hired by amazing leader, uh, Frank Slutman, and then uh, I had the privilege of working with John Donahoe, who was my next CEO, and now amazing CEO, Bill McDermott. So that's kind of a background in less than a couple of minutes. Yeah, you just gave a lot of very impressive, high-profile CEOs of the software industries. Um, so, CJ, we get this question a lot, so let's just get it out of the way. You know, prior to the current macro slowdown, your subscription growth was north of 30%. Now, which is impressive given the size of your company. You know, other impressive metric to us is that majority of your net new ACV or annual contract value comes from existing clients. You know, how should an investor think of a ServiceNow's total addressable market? So when we had an Anurag, I know you listened to it and you told me and we appreciate your interest and Bloomberg's interest in ServiceNow. Um, when Fred Luddy, who created this company in 2004, depending on uh, when the company was established versus when he started coding, he did not create this as an ITSM company. He created this company as a workflow automation company. And ITSM was the first use case at scale. The reason that is important is the platform, ServiceNow platform that Fred and the team created was fundamentally you could automate any business process you want. So we started with ITSM, incident change management requests, major incident management, all this functionality of ITSM, which is a use case at scale. But Frank said, hey, if there is any process that exists, you should be able to model it, automate it, provide a great user experience on ServiceNow. So to answer your question on TAM, from my perspective today, we have decided to automate processes for the IT organization, automate processes for customer service organization, automate processes for HR organization. We also just introduced automating processes for uh, finance organization. Somewhere in the 200 to $250 billion range, 
of the existing products that ServiceNow has where we are automating business processes. But given what I told you about Fred and how he created the platform, we can absolutely go after other aspects as well on automating those business processes, but we are currently prioritized on the these ones that I talked about. Um, perhaps can you give us an example of how a new customer that starts with one product on ServiceNow and then expanding that use case? Because I personally think that is really one of the biggest stories or the important stories of ServiceNow that's not well understood in the market. Correct. So Anurag, the way I see it is we are, even though I said it's a horizontal platform that can automate a business process for many departments at a at our customer, most people still think of us as an ITSM company. That's fair because that was the first use case. So we typically get a new customer. Whenever we get a new customer, which is your question, they start with ITSM. And there are some customers who have started with customer service, but on the basics is still ITSM. So to give you an example, six years ago, we broke into finally a large bank in New York City. Okay, We broke into that bank and they said a specific process within ITSM called change management and incident management. We are going to automate that CJ and we are going to start there. And they started there and it was, you talked about annual contract value. It was a humbling in 2017, 150K annual contract value. But it's a large bank. And we said, okay, we'll just automate this particular process. As the bank grew, they understood the value of service now. They have expanded it to multiple use cases, including our HR product that is being sold to that has been sold to the HR organization, and they went live just recently for their entire uh, employee base, which is a few hundred thousand employees. And Anurag, I said 150K in 2017. Currently, that bank spends $31 million a year. So 150K to 31 million across multiple products, starting with a narrow use case of ITSM, in 2017. And I can tell you a lot of other stories like that, where they start with ITSM, they expand to HR, they expand to customer service, they may use us to digitize other processes that they may have. We have done very well. You know, just recently I was speaking to a customer which started about 10 years ago. And they are, 10 years ago, again, they started with humble few hundred K per year. And with, with current products and the product innovation that the engineering team has delivered, they are now spending 60 million ACV with ServiceNow. This has allowed us, Anurag, to grow at the rates that you uh, mentioned, because to grow organically $8 billion in revenue with 24% growth even now in this market has never been done in SaaS. Some of our SaaS peers when they hit $4 billion, they started acquiring companies. That was their strategy. Uh, we have been very unique that we have just expanded use cases on the same platform. So when I go to this customer, I say, hey, now we have a use case for procurement processes that you can automate on ServiceNow. No, I, I mean, the CJ, this is why I love podcasts, because you can really get into some of these details. I, I, I As I said above, I mean, this is one of the most impressive things that I see um, that 
you know, majority, 85% of your ACV coming from existing customer bases is truly impressive in our view. Um, perhaps moving on to the current environment, you know, how has your ServiceNow strategy evolved in the last 12 months, um, especially and what are some of the milestones that you have reached since uh, I spoke with, uh, you know, the company back in August of last year? So I know you talked to Chris Berry and he said he enjoyed it. So thank you, Anurag, uh, appreciate it. Chris is our amazing CIO and uh, he has been CIO. He also joined, I think in 2016, so seven years, uh, same tenure as me at ServiceNow and our biggest champion because he uses my products for free uh, and then deploys them and he calls it now on now and uh, it's fun. So 85, somewhere between 80 to 90%, depending on the quarter, you're absolutely right. Our new ACV comes from existing customers. And when you think about that, that means we need to have constantly products that we can sell to existing customers. So our product innovation engine, we established in 2018, something called Anurag Navax. And the goal of Navax, and we just stole it from Google X. Google X is much longer term, but you know, uh, I was being lazy and said, let's call it NavX. And I said, the goal for NavX, which is run by an amazing leader we have on innovation side, to come up with two to three new products every year. Two to three new products every year. And that team has consistently delivered new products every year, which has allowed us to expand the TAM within existing accounts, which was, you know, within existing customer base. The milestones in last 12 months, I would say <coughs> 2022 March was probably a pivotal moment for us when we saw in our customer base, and I think the whole world saw it, is focus on efficiency, productivity, profitability. 21 was still more about growth. And I would say pretty much the previous decade was all about growth at any cost. And what we saw the CEOs, including CEOs of some of the big tech firms in Silicon Valley, telling us, hey, will your software help us automate things more so we can be more profitable? So that pivot happened, I want to say, between April and June of 2022. And our products, our automation products, as I said, that's what Fred created to automate business processes. So we were in perfect line with that, which allowed us to execute in 2022. And we have so far executed in 2023, the first two quarters as well, by uh, giving returns to our investors while growing the top line, also improving the bottom line. But we have done that for our customers as well. And the milestones you asked about, I was really proud that in Q1 of this year, as in 2023, we finally on subscription revenue hit a $8 billion run rate, which is $2 billion a quarter. And, you know, we were like $1.3 billion in 2016. I mean, just put that in perspective. We ended the year 2016 at $1.3 billion, And in 2023, will be $8 billion, all growing organically across our global customer base. So the entire team was very proud. In 2022, you talked to Chris in August, but we also celebrated our 10-year anniversary uh, on New York Stock Exchange. And the New York Stock Exchange team said, ServiceNow, between IPO through 2022 August, has been, I think, top five 
highest return stock in last 10 years of all stocks in New York Stock Exchange. So those are some of the milestones when you serve your customers, when you serve your investor base, which makes, you know, employees also very proud of the innovation. Those are some of the milestones we have hit in the last 12 months, besides many product innovations, including generative AI and so on. Excellent. Um, which industries have the most potential to, um, you know, go through digital transformation? Um, I would love to get some examples of, and then this is again some of the difficulties I have in explaining ServiceNow to investors is what exactly does the, does the product do? Perhaps any examples on some of the different um, industries that, um, that have used your products for digital transformation and what are some of the biggest greenfield opportunities in terms of industries? You know, Anurag, uh, my children, once they became teenagers, asked me the same thing and they said hey dad i went to your website i still don't know what your product does and i said okay that's totally fair uh, the website has a lot of um, information about the product and the platform but they basically said can you just explain to us like you would explain it to a customer or an investor and so i will take an example because you asked about industry let's talk about a large state in USA. So public sector is a big vertical for us. We have done really, really well in the United States federal government. Uh, we have done really well in state and local government. We have many states, many cities, and many federal governments use service now. So I'm just going to take that as an example. But overall, public sector is a big vertical for us. So say you are at a large state with 5 million citizens of USA, okay? So 5 million citizens of USA. And you are in that state and you <clears throat> want to go to a portal because you did not get your unemployment check, okay? If you did not get your unemployment check, you, nowadays, people don't want to call, right? And if you call, you don't know what the whole time is, so you rather go digitally. And you asked about digital transformation. So this state CIO basically said, I want to make direct to citizen experience as smooth as possible when they are asking for something or when they want to report a problem. So if they want to ask something, hey, I just uh, got laid off. How long will my unemployment benefits last? I should be able to go to a one website of that state and get that information, which is more of a what or a how, and how do I apply for unemployment benefits. But once I'm on unemployment benefit, and I'm a citizen of that state, and I didn't get my check for some reason, which I rely on, I should be able to go and say what really happened. That's what ServiceNow did for them. Whether it's unemployment benefits, whether it's mental health help, whatever they need, because if I need help on mental health, they will match you to a physician in your zip code and that's what ServiceNow will do. So that's an example most people can relate to, that, okay, I get it, that's what ServiceNow does, and all the workflows related to that. Now, my daughter starts college, even after this explanation, and her college uses ServiceNow, and when she had to reset her password, she went to a ServiceNow portal, 
we don't call it service now that university named it whatever they wanted to name it so we don't say hey you have to have our logo so they put their own logo so she didn't even know she was using service now but she said i'm trying to reset a password and then the dorm she was living in her dorm had issue with some lighting so she wanted to file a complaint with the university administration that also she did on service now and she caught it on the url it said that college.servicenow.com. She's like, Dad, I just used this product. So, uh, and the same thing can be true for a large bank where employees need help uh, or they want to file an issue or they want to, hey, my current connection is not working. Like literally before this meeting, I was trying to figure out uh, this fancy software you're using and how would it work between audio and video. And uh, we filed something and our IT team showed up. So that's what ServiceNow does. It can do employee-facing things, student-facing things, citizen-facing things, or a customer-facing things. Uh, when they want help or when they want to resolve something, hopefully I answered your question. Tell me what the service now do. No, is. I agree. In fact, uh, CJ, one of the things I tell people is don't get so hung up on the ITSM aspect of it. Think about any process anywhere across any function um, if you need help in that uh, process, if there's any breakdown, you know, ServiceNow product can actually go out and, and make that more efficient. But 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 I, but I completely get it, uh, frankly. Um, AI is 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 what everybody is talking about right now. How do you embed it uh, across, uh, you know, your products and platform? Yeah. So around tw- 2017, we started a journey. Um, which was, I think, with supervised machine learning. And we said, basically, we are not going to create a generic AI platform. Our AI will be in service of ServiceNow use cases, whether it's employee-facing, request management, or whether it's customer service, or whether it's HR service. So AI in service of a use case, rather than AI generically. So when we speak to customers, we don't say, hey, uh, here is what supervised machine learning can do or natural language understanding software X can do. We have embedded AI in ITSM for all key ITSM use cases. So we started that journey in 2017. In 2018, we released a product called ITSM Pro, uh, which had all the machine learning features built in. And we asked our customers for some premium, which is 25% premium. That's what they paid. and then when generative AI, where machines could understand human language better, right? That's what generative AI's biggest thing is. There are many other things generative AI does. But from our perspective, ability for machine to understand human language better, um, we embedded that also in our roadmap. And we released in our Vancouver release. Our releases are alphabetical based on city names. So Vancouver release that came out on September 20th, which was last week. Uh, we created generative AI embedded offering for ITSM, our customer service product, our HR service product, and something for text to code so you can code in ServiceNow faster. So, I mean, when I looked at the uh, ITSM Pro and, uh, you know, a lot of discussion around it, obviously, from an investor point of view, that's a big way for you to increase your average revenue per user. Um, But, you know, as a user, what would be the difference between the ITSM Pro 
and the ITSM Pro with Gen AI. I mean, you can call it ICSM Pro Plus. Yeah. So what would be the, how do I see from a use case point of view? So Anurag, um, ITSM Pro had many features, but let's just talk generative AI specifically, okay? So if you are using ITSM Pro, so let's just talk about, I'm an employee at a large bank and I type in intent. So uh, I don't know if this has happened to you. It has happened to me twice. I spilled coffee on my laptop and my laptop doesn't work anymore. Okay, so that's something you typed in your chatbot on ServiceNow. I typed, I spilled a coffee on my laptop. My laptop doesn't work anymore. In ITSM Pro, there is still decent setup you have to do to understand what the user is trying to do before you can say, oh, you spilled coffee on your laptop based on everything we know about all other incidents with coffee spilling on laptop, you'll most likely need loaner laptop right now. And someday you will get a replacement laptop based on our five days guarantee or whatever it is for that bank, right? So I want to first understand the intent that CJ spilled coffee on the laptop and now I need to create a process, automation process in ServiceNow that, hey, we see you are Anurag. Anurag is an investor and great leader for the bank, right? If you're working for a bank and he needs to get a laptop right away, loaner laptop within four hours, that's the SLA and a new laptop by tomorrow morning whatever it is. So we'll kick off a workflow. But before we kick off a workflow, we try to understand that intent on what it means when you said, I spilled a coffee and my laptop doesn't work anymore. So with generative AI, we can understand that intent a lot better than we did in ITSM Pro. So with ITSM Pro Plus, you are going to be able to deflect incidents even more because we will understand that language better because generative AI fundamentally is a better model to understand that intent. Because you could say things like, Anurag, you are an employee, I want Apple. Well, when you say I want Apple, we know that you're asking for a Mac, not the fruit. And then we'll kick off a workflow for Mac because that's in context of ITSM, right? So the point being, we will understand your intent better with Pro Plus than we would have with ITSM Pro because ITSM Pro, we did use deep learning, this, that, but it was not generative AI level because that's a much bigger model and so on. But then even for IT agent, when they are working on multiple incidents, they are working on Anurag's issue, CJ's issue, Julie's issue, Lisa's issue, whoever's issues are, it will help them even be more productive by summarizing, creating a knowledge base, resolving something fast. So it access truly an assistant and that's why we called it now assist but now basically helping human even more whether they are requesting something or whether they are serving somebody who needs help no that, that, that actually makes a lot of sense um there was a lot of discussion during your analyst day about you know service now getting disrupted because of gen ai and i think Oh, wow. I enjoyed I enjoyed those answers because they asked me that question like 17 different I, ways. It was very I was fun. about to yeah. say that because I kept on laughing whenever you said P times Q. So perhaps for our listeners who did not listen to that industry uh, 
the analyst day. Um, perhaps you can summarize what the question was, or or I can ask you a question that you know, given that your product is priced on a seed basis, um, you know, will 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 service now be disruptive? Because I think that answer is is very critical to um, you know the the long term success of service now. Absolutely. <clears throat> so. And investors still, investors who were at that investor day, Anurag, still ask me the same question. So uh, I absolutely love it. So I, I will do a little bit of history and then tell you with Pro Plus. So when we launched ITSM Pro, that was the same question that was asked five years ago. Okay, five years ago, they asked the same question that will your seat compress? What basically they're trying to say is your queue will decrease your price increases, but if Q decreases more than your increase in price, your revenue will go down. That's basically what the investors correctly are asking that question. Same question was asked in 2018 when we released ITSM Pro. I said, hey, and I was there. I said, our price increase is 50%. List price increase is 50%. And it will give you all these productivity things. And they said, wow, it will give us all these productivity things. So P goes up by 50%. But if Q decreases because of this productivity, P times Q will become less for ServiceNow and GCJ. What would this mean for revenue growth? I think we have grown a lot from 2018 to 2023. So first, uh, I feel very good about it. Here is what we learned in those five years. What we learned in those five years is the average increase price, we got average selling price increase, was 25%. So 25% was the pro realized increase. 40% of our install base is now on Pro. However, our seat count went by 10%. So if you're like, okay, so your P went up, but your Q also went up. Why is that? Because the number of digital assets at a bank, at a government, at a healthcare company, at a manufacturing company, they have gone up so the incident volume, request volume has gone up. And because of that has gone up, they still need more people to do the job. And that's the thing that investors missed, that the digitization has increased in last five years and will continue to increase. So I said, hey, P increased by 25%, but Q increased by 10%. And Yes, uh, I did CS, but 1.25 times 1.1 is a lot more than one. So uh, that's what I would say. And now with Pro Plus, my basic theory, we just launched our Pro Plus product last week, as you know, and we'll see how the adoption and others are. But I said, the price I will charge is for the value the customer gets, which is, has been consistent philosophy of ServiceNow. And we feel comfortable that they will get value and we will keep 10% and the customer gets 10%. So we are in the early stages of Pro Plus, right? We just released it last week. Uh, we are closing the quarter this week and we are in quiet period. So we will share at our earnings day in uh, October, you know, what we are hearing from our customers. And so <laughs> See, so that, that is, I mean, I, I, I've, I listened to that answer several times. So I kept on smiling every time it came up. Um, but, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about with people is when you, when you look at something like what Southwest went through, what the FAA, FAA went through with, you know, flight bookings and cancellations, 
the entire world is so far away from digitization that i i am not mm-hmm. personally you know worried about uh, the queue compressing for multiple years down the road but but that's you know we'll we'll, we'll leave it for the next time over there um you know the there's a lot of discussion around generative AI safety, governance, the data that resides in the customer data that you have. Perhaps, uh, you know, teach us a little bit as to what your company is doing, what, when you talk to other leaders around, what are they doing to put, you know, some safeguards around it? Yes. Um, this, I think, is very important aspect of any AI technology, right? So my simplification, Anurag, and it's maybe too simplistic, but I, this is how I think. I'm a simple person. Um, right now, if you look at the products that have been launched by our peers as well as ServiceNow, they tend to be co-pilot. Why are they calling it co-pilot? Because you have a human plus AI, right? You have, so fundamentally, you are basically saying AI will help human do things better or do things faster, however you want to call it, better or faster, okay? But it's still called a co-pilot. Microsoft released a bunch of products that were called co-pilot and few others followed the same thing. So then you say, okay, right now it's a co-pilot. Anurag, are we someday going to be an autopilot, right? Are we someday going to be an autopilot? There are significant implications of that. So let's just take an example. Currently, our HR product, ServiceNow's HR product, you can file a case to say, my paycheck has this discrepancy, and it will kick off a workflow with the payroll department and give you answer. It will say your case number is this, and it will kick off a workflow if it can resolve that issue for you, right? And some human will intervene and say, okay, this makes sense, this doesn't make sense, and then they'll tell the employee. If you take that further, say there is an ethics complaint that somebody said, hey, this particular a customer said, uh, Joe is not following ethics guidelines of the company. You still want that to be a co-pilot from an AI perspective. What should happen if there is an ethics complaint that is investigation? Can you imagine an autopilot in that case where Joe's employment is terminated and you get an email from AI, hey, Joe, there was a complaint we followed, we looked at your history, and yes, uh, you are no longer employed. So for me, the co-pilot and autopilot are two things. And as you see right now, most of the software companies are saying co-pilot, right? Even, I don't know, Anurag, if you use Gmail or Outlook or whatever, when it tries to finish a sentence for you, you still overwrite that sentence. It doesn't say, hey, here is the sentence done and move on to the next sentence. You may accept it, you may not accept it. You may accept it 50% of the time. Sometimes it will come up with some garbage that you didn't want to write. But it is still you are making that call on that smart compost technology of Gmail or uh, Outlook. So that's where customers are today. They are not saying that we are at autopilot stage. So first thing is they are like, help us do things better with AI. That's number one. And make sure my data is protected. I talked to a very, very large bank, and that bank's only concern was, will my data leave service now? And we said, no, it will not, because we have created 
ServiceNow specific large language model that runs in ServiceNow Cloud. So your data will still be running in ServiceNow Cloud for your instance, and it will not go to some generic model that is out there by somebody. It will not go there. And then the customer signed the contract, right? So whether it's a healthcare agency, whether it's a uh, government, whether it's a uh, financial services organization, they first want to know, is their data protected? Is their data privacy? And when you as a co-pilot come up with a recommendation, can a human overwrite it? That's where we are today. We are not at a autopilot level. We are still at a co-pilot. CJ, a follow-up on that, and this is something I personally don't get it. You know, when I think of something like a chat GPT, I, I get that those models have been trained on, let's say, so much data that's widely available on the internet. Um, there's just and then people you know correct it out and this is the model keeps on evolving and, and getting corrected but when I look at a large language model that can be deployed on an enterprise um, the data is siloed across so many different you know verticals and different systems by different software providers then how does a large language model that you know you may be training um, for your use cases how do you collect all that information uh, you know you talked about being it siloed but um, how will eventually it, that thing work? Because you you don't you can't find the damn data. Yeah, um, it has been said for many years that data is the fuel for AI. Right? Data is the fuel. I would argue data is the brain of AI because it's the data that decides how effective your model is. Right? So, from my perspective. A generic model with billions of parameters, hundreds of billions of parameters that reads the entire internet. So I'll give you an example, Anurag. If you try to write a code on ServiceNow, say you want to customize a rule on ServiceNow, you write that in JavaScript today. Let's say our customer wants to customize something. You write in JavaScript. If you go to ChatGPT and you say, I want to customize this rule in ServiceNow, like give me top, 20 issues at bank filed by employees, okay? It'll give, it'll give you a JavaScript code. That JavaScript code is from public internet, and a lot of times we found in ChatGPT it was the wrong code. It was inefficient, and it could actually bring down the entire ServiceNow environment because it will do a full table scan or something like that. So we said, hey, text-to-code for ServiceNow developers is an important thing. So we created a small large language model, which is kind of, now when I think about it, small and large don't go together, but we think about small LLM. Small LLM, not like as big as ChatGPT, which does prompt when you say, I want to do this, it will spit out JavaScript code, but we train that model, ServiceNow engineers train that model. So that means it will be always an efficient code and it will be the accurate code. So you want efficient and accurate code because you could have an accurate code but an inefficient code from ChatGPT. So the way I see it today, we will have large language model for specific use cases in ServiceNow and that's what we will give to a large bank. But a bank that uses ServiceNow, that uses Adobe, that uses Microsoft, they will have to decide, is that good enough 
that all of them have their own LLMs and we are just using it for those use cases, or we want to combine all this data in a snowflake and then we want to do something via some other LLM, that's up to the bank. But what we are solving for, and I tell that to every customer, large language models specific to ServiceNow use cases that runs in ServiceNow Cloud, your data is protected, and if you want to audit it, you can audit it anytime. No, I, I, I'm 100% with you on that. You know, the, the partner ecosystem is one of the most important things for any software company to evangelize its software and expand the total addressable use case of that software. And I think that's an area where we've seen a fair amount of progress since Bill joined uh, ServiceNow from SAP. Um, what what kind of work are you doing with the partner ecosystem, uh, perhaps to expand the you know not just in the U.S. but internationally? Yeah, so we have a variety of partners, and Anurag, you know this because you know ServiceNow well. Um, Ninety plus percent of implementation of ServiceNow are done by our partners right, 90% plus. And that has always been a conscious strategy of ServiceNow that our partner friends will implement ServiceNow. Um, so as we have released more and more products over time, we rely on them to learn those products and implement it. Whether it's a regional partner, a uh, national partner, or an international system integrator at scale. So that strategy is still going to be true with our AI technologies, including Pro Plus. It was true with Pro. It'll be true with Pro Plus. And we work with, you know, Indian system integrators, uh, some of the great ones that we have friendship with, like a Cognizant or uh, Infosys. We work with all the global SIs that you and I know. And as we release this offering, uh, our partner and alliance team are constantly enabling partners and we created a lighthouse program where certain partners can participate with us as our customers are rolling out generative AI technologies. But yes, we are going to rely on the partner ecosystem for customers to get value out of service now. You know, one of the things you just alluded to a few minutes ago was the uh, the Pro Plus pricing of about the 10% benefit to the client and 10% goes to you. Perhaps teach us a little bit as to how, how do you even realize that? How would, as a customer, how do I figure out what my productivity is? Yeah. So productivity, if you ever go, if you ever get time and you want to do research on productivity and how do you measure productivity as far as industrial productivity is concerned, there is still a lot of research and a lot of material out there on how do you really measure productivity, meaning it's a very complicated field on people want simple answers, but sometimes they are not as simple. From my perspective, Let's take example of something like text-to-code, okay? So if you look at text-to-code, that means I had a customer right here in New York City last week, uh, no, week before last, insurance company, large insurance company, they said, CJ, I have 10 developers on ServiceNow, which are my own developers uh, at my insurance company, and I have another 20 from our partner, one of the system integrators. So I have 30 people who work on ServiceNow at, Equitable, at uh, this particular insurance firm, okay? So if I have these 30, part, 30 uh, employees, some of them are fresh college graduates, some of them are experienced. 
how can they improve their backlog with text to code? So I said, I, here is how you can do that. You can type in this thing and it will give you a code, JavaScript code as I described. For them, even if the text to code, they take out of 10 suggestions on JavaScript code, even three times, three out of 10 times, they take that suggestion and it just works. That is three times more than what is happening today. Because for the all 10 times, their developer are trying to figure out how to write JavaScript code. So now you will say, okay, what percent of your day you write code? You say, okay, 70% of the time. And you could see it becomes very complicated. Oh, well, the senior developer writes the code only 50% of the time. The junior college graduate is writing the code 90% of the time. So how do you measure productivity across that bell curve based on experience. And what I say is, hey, I feel comfortable that your productivity of your developer while they are coding, while they are coding on ServiceNow will improve by 30 to 40%. And for that, you pay 200,000 a developer right now. That's what they said. They pay 200,000 a developer. Even if I take 10% productivity and they were only coding 50% of the time, so it's $100,000 now and 10% productivity. That's a $10,000 savings. Can you give me $1,000 out of that 10,000? You keep 90%, I keep 10%. No, it's, it's, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, we are running out of almost time, uh, CJ. Perhaps to close it out, you know, what's next for service now? When we sit down again in a year, what, what, what are some of the things we should be uh, seeing at that point? Yes, so we are... You know, I'm proud to say that we are a highly innovative company. We are always releasing new products. We just released a product in Vancouver called for accounts payable operations. Uh, so we are uh, definitely trying to focus on the office of CFO, uh, supply chain operations on lifecycle management of suppliers. Um, we have released products like clinical device management, enterprise asset management. So across a multitude of industries we are releasing new products and what next is for service now right now i would say i'm very focused on generative ai more than anything how does it really help customers get even more value from service now and how do they become more productive so i would love to give you a report card a year from today because we just launched it uh, last week how is that going which industries leaned on what did we see did they get the productivity numbers that we thought they would get and how are we improving our products in that? Now that's excellent. CJ, thanks so much for your time and look forward to catching up with you again. Thank you, Anurag.